Okay, here's one. Uh, Justin Shapiro's show. Nope, not yeah. Matt. Hey. Many have called our last show arguably our best and arguably our only episode. <laughs> Remember when we talked last month, maybe even two months now? Yeah, about what was going on with uh, worked professional wrestling, Daniel Bryan, the machinations thereof? I only slightly remember. You can download it at thecubsfan.com okay. if you need a refresher. Can we just pause this while I listen? To- Here we go. Okay. We're back. Matt, how was it? It was terrible, but I do remember that time in wrestling, and whoa, it was, um, it was stressful to all of us, um, <laughs> especially me. And um, Yeah, that's for sure. And now I feel much better. Someday I need to publish uh, like the, the foreseen missives of that email thread we had in, in January when you first posited the idea that Daniel Bryan should wrestle for the WWE Championship at WrestleMania. And then those dreams were dashed hard on the rocks of poor booking decisions only to be... Uh, swept back in with the tide. I was definitely the first one to have that idea that Daniel Bryan should mm-hmm. wrestle for the WWE title. Who would have thought of it besides me? Well, me at the same time, which was funny because maybe the craziest thing about this, and for people who don't know, here are the results of what happened at WrestleMania 30. Match one, um, the Jimmy and Jay Uso retained the World Wrestling Entertainment Tag Team Championship. And then the rest is on, uh, I think, n.wikipedia.org but so you and I both not that it was inordinately radical ideas but we each came up with the same ideal Wrestlemania card and both of our versions of it in what we thought was like a fair concession to the realities of the world we live in had Daniel Bryan winning the championship from Randy Orton in a match that was realistically third or fourth from the top of these cards. I think you and I both had like John Cena versus Undertaker and then pairing of uh, Punk Batista and Lesnar Triple H in whatever combination you preferred. And then Bryan versus Randy Orton in what we thought was like a, a good compromise. Like you can put it on the show. You can let this guy win the title. You don't have to rely on it for anything. It'll just be fine and people will be happy. Yeah, I think I even then still thought it should have closed the show even if it wasn't the promoted main event just because that would be probably of all the moments, probably the best moment. I guess I guess I could have seen a Cena vs. Undertaker following it, although knowing what we know now, who knows? But um, Oh, yeah, that's true. And not to immediately get – no, not to immediately get into a tangent, and I won't. I'm sure that will come up in the future. Um, yeah, so the pitch where Daniel Bryan beats up everybody, wins all by himself, celebrates by himself, and is not just the star of the show, but ended up being inconceivably – the star of the the TV promotion and the star of uh, the whole WrestleMania week with the the uh, diary they were doing of him on the website. It just for all the paranoia there is about Daniel Bryan, it was it was a nice victory lap that whole time because I just felt confident, like wow, this is really going to happen and it's going to be probably rather enjoyable. I, I didn't so much watch like anticipation as I did just like 
this has all been so great, and now let's just stick the landing and, and make this as good as possible. And I'll be damned if they didn't, man. Yeah, it was – I mean, I mean, let's let's say this. If they don't end up going with Daniel Bryan as the focal point of WWE for the next year, uh, they did a very good job of pretending they were going to for a few <laughs> days. Um, like this isn't this isn't like Chris Benoit where he had the best moment possible. Then they kind of uh, you know reprised it when they went to Western Canada the following month and had two of the best moments possible, but. You know, it was there's really it was very they were very transparently making him still maybe like the third or fourth most important person on Monday Night Raw at the time. This was like we're going all in on Daniel Bryan. We're gonna ha- we're gonna have the whole documentary. Um, we're gonna have him open and close Monday Night Raw with the big cheers. Um, you know, gonna have him wrestle bookend WrestleMania 30. Have the whole thing be about him. Let him kind of stand alone in the ring, you know, not make the storyline about anything other than him winning the title. Um, you know, rely on him to get the crowd back after The Undertaker lost his streak. Uh, do all those things, you know, um, probably do a big, great deal of promotion whenever his uh, episode of his wedding episode of Total Divas airs. Um, you know, it just, just felt like he was the, he was the guy. And almost to the point where Cena felt like complete afterthought for um, for that whole week, really. So it really felt that way. Now, I am happy that we are recording this today and not last week because enough has happened that I'm allowed to be cynical again. Hooray! But uh, for that week, it was, uh, yeah, pretty remarkable story. Um, and... Uh, Hey, you know what? Whatever works. I mean, if uh, I'm, it, I still believe they got to it very begrudgingly, but when it was time to do it, they they did it and they did it heartily, and they definitely that Daniel Bryan's matches were unequivocally the main event of WrestleMania 30 under every, any metric I think that you can that you could point to. Whether the promotion, um, probably if there was a match that drew more than any other match, it was those. Um, and in terms of how they were presented, they were the main event. So he he main evented WrestleMania. He was the top star of WrestleMania 30. And um, I guess you can never take that away from him. There is unquestionably a lot of potential for a whole lot more of what you can do with his storyline. Like you can keep playing off of that, I guess, as you saw the panic immediately come out on Monday. They didn't even book Daniel Bryan for the show, man. <laughs> can you see how they've already given up for on him? Um but I I really hope it goes well. I'm excited and I almost don't care though. There's a part of me that just saw like a a game of chicken that was going on between the company and the fans that uh, the edge of the cliff was WrestleMania, and you were waiting to see who was going to lose. The company lost. Not to say like they're bad and they were trying to ruin things, like uh, the evil corporation in RoboCop or whatever. Who was that corporation? Uh, mm, Robo Criminals. RoboCorp. Yeah, I don't know. This is going to bother me. I can't go on. I mean, of course, Clarence Bodiger was there. OCP. Yeah, you know them um anyway so game of chicken between the company and the fans and i back in january it was a a real emotional thing it just seemed like there were so many good reasons to do it this way and it would have been a shame to not do it this way and it it feels in hindsight easily like how could it have been anything else 
Yeah, um, I think the reason that it matters what they do now is because they've had so many false starts, and we've talked about this a million times. They've had so many false starts with these uh, with these guys, whether it be um, you know whether it even be like a Chris Benoit or an Eddie Guerrero or a uh, Rob Van Dam or a Kofi Kingston or you know to, to I mean a million different people. And I feel like if if he just becomes another guy that becomes you know the champion who's not really the champion. Then the next guy who has that moment, it's not going to mean as much, and then it's going to mean even less the next time. And it's, at, a, at a certain point, you know, you want you want the company to the elevation of wrestlers in the company to be a little bit more than a you know series of lifetime achievement awards or like throwing mm. throwing the smart marks a bone and giving them a moment. You want to see that you know there's actually real um, movement going on. And, you know, real change. Because, like, if the fans feel like they can actually change something, they're going to get more excited about the shows. And if they don't, they're going to get less excited about the shows. So I do think it matters what they do with him going forward. It can't just be like, okay, well, he's he is how we get from point A to point B. And in the process, we got to get the, the fans off of our nuts for a little while. <laughs> um, that's why um, – I think that's why there's a little bit of panic. Like, now, now – Last week, uh, after the whole WrestleMania week, I thought it was stupid. You know, stupid is probably too harsh a word, but I thought it was a little bit, um, a little bit premature to start celebrating this new era of WWE. You know, everything's changing now, and it's like, going to be a new boom period. For one thing, I see no evidence of that at all, um, of any any increased popularity in WWE, like none at all. Um, and two, I think those shows in front of those crowds don't really indicate of any kind of major changing of the guard. I think it's possible, but it doesn't really indicate it. But then at the same time, I think it's just as stupid to say, oh, no, Daniel Bryan wasn't the focal point of a show that he wasn't on. Like, that's <laughs> like that's silly, too. Although, it, I mean, these boom periods are tied to technological changes, and this one lines up directly with the WWE Network, but that's another story. Um, but I do think it's a very bad sign when they immediately have – his world title pay-per-view match be the third match from the top on the very first pay-per-view after he wins the title. That didn't even happen with Benoit. So I, um, I don't think that's a good thing. And um, it's, I don't know, I don't think it portends well. I think lots can change. They can go back. They can go forward. You know, I mean, I, I assume at least some point during his reign, he's besides just the match that he loses, he's going to have some main events. Um, <laughs> he should, he's, his program should be the top program in the company and it's it's basically falling into the same bad habits they've had for 15 years to not do that i love that we're already in this it did not take long for the bloom to come off the rose i think it's gonna be the story of this whole run is like what's happening aren't you already upset at the temerity of the company to take the title off of daniel bryan and put it on brock lesnar just so roman reigns can beat him and be the tall guy they always wanted I mean, listen, that is fully what I expect to happen. So, um, and I don't expect, and I don't think that's, that they should be so ready to do that if Ryan is working. And it seems like he's working. I don't know. I mean, I haven't seen the updated business reports, but it seems like since that whole period where Dave Meltzer argued very <laughs> dramatically that Daniel Bryan is, does not move business and he's not a merchandise okay, seller. Listen. Okay, so listen, just, just listen. Here's the thing, though. Here's the thing. Continue. Yeah, that... I, I just – it seems like that's changed. Could be crazy. Could be wrong. Could have just been you know WrestleMania fever and you know the, the, the right people in the right city. But I know that when I went to Raw in Brooklyn, another show that Daniel Bryan wasn't on, 
the gall of that guy. Um, I uh, I uh, noticed that most of the shirts were Daniel Bryan shirts, and the ones that weren't were CM Punk shirts. But that's neither here nor there. Um, just seems like maybe they have something with him, and maybe they should try to like see where it goes before they decide that now nah, there's something that you know we really want this other guy. Um, yeah, they more or less don't have a choice, you know, especially with Punk dropping out and. Cena slowly melting or whatever's happening to all wrestlers uh, and wrestling franchises as they age gracefully. Um, there, Punk, when he was the champion, you know, there was a period, especially after Raw expanded to three hours, when it, it, it was just fell down into like low threes, high twos. But, and people expected based on their, I guess, knowledge in quotation marks of the the whims of the company and how they work that at some point they were just going to say oh enough of this forget it punk let's move on to real business with real stars and that never happened and i think for one when you have strong merchandise and i don't know like pure numbers as to whether daniel bryan is as big a merchandise draw as cm punk was i doubt it i doubt it too but that, that, that's a high bar. That's a high bar. Right. I was going to say, he's still, last time it was brought up in The Observer, the uh, number two seller of active guys behind Cena. Punk is still, I think, the number two guy um, of everyone overall. And there, there is just generally, we saw it happen historically with Jericho. We saw it happen with Edge. I mean, Jericho, the, the 2008 version. There's kind of just... Once you're in the club, you're in the club. And he may not be perennial world champion, but I don't think Daniel Bryan is ever going to regress to a level of prominence on the show from where he has been in 2014 and late 2013. And I think maybe that that's, that's a good way to, for us to trans, transition into talking a little bit about WrestleMania, or would you rather say something else first? I was actually assumed we would start with that and the happy part and celebrate that but instead we're it's a preemptive strike against all the things that can go wrong yeah let's get it out of the way right can i just take you back to a week when you were really happy yeah let's go back there oh wrestlemania i think i brought this up on a joe versus the world we did about all of the wrestlesmania and i say this not to embarrass you but to put you over i'll never forget the america online instant message that you sent me uh, after WrestleMania 20, let's say within the hour, where you said to me, line one, I want to have sex with Vince McMahon. Stop. Line two, sex. Stop. Line three, every kind of sex. Full stop and transmission. Comparing it to that, and I maybe expectations were a little different. It's a different landscape. More things maybe are possible with our favorites in this day and age. Where are you on a scale... Uh, or where were you last week before, again, the darkness set in again? Where are you on a scale of I want to have sex with Mr. Man, sex, every kind of sex? Well, no, but, and this is an important distinction. This year, is it sex with Paul, sex, every kind of sex? Mm. Or does Vince still deserve it? I'll give it to Vince. Nice. Don't know how many more of those you'll have left. It feels less gay when he's really old, you know? <laughs> Brian Singer. I don't know what that means. Good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they they put that guy over, man. They put that guy over. As, like that's why it's like it's hard to, despite how cynical I am and how cynical I, quite frankly, super 
like to be. Um, I uh, it's really hard to imagine them just being like, okay, well, we did it. Now fuck this guy. Like I, I just it's gotta be they gotta go all the way with him now after they did all that. Who 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 have they done all that for? John Cena, and that's it. <laughs> that's like they they don't they don't do that sort of thing. Triple H loses has a guy kick out of the pedigree like immediately, then doesn't hit another pedigree like he did with CM Punk to kind of nullify that kick out. Um, then he lets Brian lay him out with the sledgehammer, uh, and Brian goes over the two. The two heels clean. Really, the only thing that anyone can nitpick about that was that he didn't actually beat the champion. And really, does anyone care about that? Which like, he had already already done a lot. Yeah, a lot of clean wins. He'd need that dude plenty of times. Yeah, and, this, and seriously, like, who could really care about that after all that? Like, that's insane. Um, mm-hmm. So, and this is coming from someone who is cynical to the point of it being insane. Um, but then, no, that's really insane. That's insane in the membrane. Right. It's insane in the brain. And I mean, and on top of that, like Triple H, that match, like I, I can't remember the last time he worked just like a wrestling match like that, like like fast paced but long, and like did a bunch of different moves. I mean, everyone's talked about the Tiger Suplex a million times. That was it was one of the most insane moments of the night. I thought just because he's never, definitely never done that. And I, I don't, I can't even think of too many people that have done that. Too many men, at least, that have done that at all in WWE. Um, Tiger Suplex. Can you think of any? Off the top of your head, a moment of a, a, a men's match of someone doing a tiger suplex in WWE? We're getting into the real minutia of people who remember random things, but not only did they recreate the crossface finish from WrestleMania 20 with Benoit Triple H, except this time, bizarrely, Triple H had the crossface on, learning from history that has been erased. The, I also thought, remember the... Um, pay-per-view match Benoit and Triple H had at No Mercy in 2000. Didn't Triple H do some crazy suplex in that of the tiger or dragon variety? I'll have to watch that again. I don't remember that. Have I got the source for you, Matt? With the WWE (laughs) Network at your fingertips, you could watch that on your phone right now as we're doing the show, like Brian Alvarez would. I'm going to do it. Oh, good. You told me to, so I'm going to do it. (laughs) What if it steals all the bandwidth and we lose connection? Uh... I would be surprised if that happened. Oh, okay. Good. Um, but state of the art New York wireless. Yep, that's what it's called. Did you hear that? I did. That's the signature that begins this show too. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's William Regal. This this has got to be the debut of Naked Midian. Wonderful. It wasn't Naked Midian. It was just regular. Mid- okay, so now I'm at the right match. Triple H is working over the leg. Boom. Take that, you murderer. Hey, Pistorius' leg was worked over, and he's still... Crispin was hurt. And he's really sad. I'm, I'm glad. I'm... <laughs> and you're really glad? Crispin yeah, was hurt, and I'm really glad. All right. Okay, well, so Benoit just hit a, a, a dragon suplex. Hmm, that could have been it. Yeah, it, it wasn't a tiger, but it was a dragon suplex. And uh, Triple H got his foot on the ropes. Oh, and he just hit another one. Two dragon suplexes. That's got to be what you're thinking of, right? I feel comfortable in saying that that's what I was thinking of. Moving on. (laughs) What were we talking about? How good Triple H was in that match. 
have you can you think of another like just like straight wrestling like what was the most recent like just like straight wrestling match triple h had where he was like fast and like he did a lot of stuff and like he like worked over a hold and he sold and like, it wasn't like the last normal match he probably had was with sheamus at wrestlemania 26 not that that was anything special but i think it was the last one without gimmicks and brawls and bells and whistles right and that was much more of a just a typical triple h match it was also much shorter um yes i'm trying to think of like a, just a great because even like in his peak like his great matches were like were you know the triple h matches you know where they like they do a lot of like different bells and whistles and it's kind of like very very like drawn out like the super slow selling and um you know, just maximum drama, whereas this guy just worked like a fast match. I'm thinking... Yeah, this may have been in the period when you really weren't watching wrestling, but I think the last classic normal match Triple H had was with Jeff Hardy when Jeff was on the precipice of winning the title. I think it was at No Mercy in 2008. Mm-hmm. But that, you know, that was worked as a tr- the Triple H wannabe NWA world champion match that he would put people through. All right, look, Triple H just Triple H just hit Benoit with like a Death Valley driver. Interesting. Um, yeah, so that so I also maybe like that Shawn Michaels match from Raw. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good point. And that also, but that also like you know kind of like veered toward the drama in the sense you know like that that dramatic Shawn Michaels Triple H selling that they do. But no, but uh, but I'm just I, I this is this was a unique match by Triple H's standard is the, is my point, and he did a great job, and it was like really like old school like new moves, but like really like just an old school like they had a wrestling match, you know, and that was I think it was uh, a, a byproduct of the layout and credit to them for that because a lot of times Triple H would give all the advantages to his match or just have the kind of match he wanted to have without a lot of thought for what would be. Not best for business, but best for aesthetics, I guess. So because the main event was going to be the crazy storyline brawl with the explosions and uh, drama and sports entertainments. So then, by design, the first match should be straight classic wrestling match, which they had. Yeah, it was, it was excellent. And I, it seems pretty clear that he's much better in terms of matches when he's a heel. This is a good point. And he is like... The best he's ever been in terms of being a heel, I think, just in terms of like just personifying a heel, and mm-hmm. inhabiting that role. When he came out in that like tracksuit at the end, like, it was like he just seemed like the ultimate jackass yeah. and the perfect person to have loserdom perpetrated upon him. It was, it was icing on the cake, really, because maybe since. Batista, when Batista beat him three straight times, broke his phallic sledgehammer and sent him on a three-month vacation to get Stephanie pregnant and get off um, Stephanie? That that may have been the last time the Triple H character, as established in 99-2000, really got true comeuppance because, you know, when he lost The Rock, there was a his stuff built in there to keep him strong and set up returns. And even when he lost to John Cena at WrestleMania 22, he had future planning and things built in there to turn him babyface and keep him important going forward. Yes, um, As clean a job as that was. You talking about that whole Stephanie pregnant and the phallic sledgehammer just made me think of like genetic jackhammer. And what was the thing that um, what was the thing that uh, Vince McMahon said about his like his sperm or something during that whole thing. Do you remember that? 
in 2006 during the whole uh, Shawn Michaels God thing. He called uh, Shane McMahon like the product of his omnipotent semen or something like yes. that. Yes, something about his loins, I think. Yeah. So um, anyway, point being, uh, there was no point to that. Nope. Um, um, that being said, yes, Triple H uh, did seem to have his um, his manhood uh, broken by Batista and – yeah, he's finally, and you know, and even this is a creepy term, but he's finally showing ass, and uh, <laughs> um, he really did a lot for Brian, and uh, um, I guess now he's going to do the same thing for Roman Reigns, and uh, hey, good for him. It because he he accumulated so much heat since SummerSlam. And in natural pro wrestling progression, this is exactly what should have happened. And the fact that everyone is so stunned by it, I guess, says something about how the previous dozen or so years have worked out. Yeah. I mean, people had good reason to be skeptical of Triple H. Um, This was – I mean, Vince – they would keep Vince as the boss going and they would start it up again with someone new. Past the peak of the initial surge of Austin vs. McMahon, but when Vince fell, Vince fell hard. Absolutely, and Triple H never did that. Absolutely, Triple. I mean, Vince had nothing, like nothing to protect. Like he was, he wasn't a full time worker. He never would be. Never, never needed to be kept strong in any way because he had power. So, like, if somebody beat him up, like he just would still have that non wrestling power. Like he didn't. And Triple H needs to realize that too. I mean, and I guess he maybe he has now. It seems like he might have. Um, that his his heel heat comes from the fact that he does get he does get totally humiliated, and then he still has this you know power that he can come back from it, whether he looks physically strong or not. Agreed. Uh, so as far as WrestleMania. Um, should we even talk about this streak? I mean, it's been talked about so much. I don't really know if I have anything to add to it. Um, <laughs> what do you think? Oh, uh, before we do that, I did mean to ask you uh, another thing. Were you surprised at how good the title match itself was? Uh, they, it, In my mind, it was kind of the... Um, not an anti-climax, but Brian versus Triple H is where the big grudge was. You almost expected after that, you put the title on him and people are happy, but it was sort of a, a, a matter-of-fact thing to do. Whereas they, it seems, really went out of their way to make sure they could have a great WrestleMania match, a WrestleMania main event, uh, with all the limitations of the participants and play to the strengths of those participants and, and really put on uh, something that exceeded expectations. Yeah, I mean, it was. Um, I mean, the, I mean, the and the biggest reason was, I just thought they were doomed after that Undertaker match. Like, I really thought that took all the uh, all of the life out of the crowd. It took a lot of life out of me. It was just like, wow, the match sucked. The ending was a shocker and came out of nowhere. Um, at that point, I wasn't really seeing the uh, positive side of things. You know, now I kind of do, but at the time, I wasn't. And so, like, how is anyone going to get back into this main event? And, you know, it's I guess it's just the all the answer is, well, yes, they laid out a great match. But I think in a, a lot of different times I could have laid out a great match and it wouldn't have made that much of a difference. But Daniel Bryan, I mean, the crowd, they were there to see him. And he proved his the, his value that during that match because he dragged the crowd back into the show. And 
I think when it, when it, in the case of a Daniel Bryan match, if the crowd is up for it, it's going to be good because uh, he just he knows what to do and knows when to do it and executes it very well. And as long as the crowd is with it, like it's going to be really good. And they were, and it was. And I thought the moment was pretty close to all it could be. Like maybe you could tweak a thing here and there, but I, I think it was about as about as close to ideal of a victorious moment as you could ask for. Yeah, I'd say so. I guess if you really wanted to make it a fairy tale, you could have gone with Brian Alvarez's idea of actually having him not even come out at the beginning of the main event. Mm-hmm. And then, like, having them do 10 minutes of Batista versus Orton to get the crowd pissed off. But at the same time, um, that crowd was so in shock after the Undertaker thing, they probably would have just sat there for Batista versus Orton. I, I don't think they would have. Um... Yeah, if you tried to, as they have sometimes, like, anticipate what the crowd is going to chant, and then it just doesn't. Ha- you can't. It's hard to script them literally into the format of your show. At times, there have been like Cena feuds where he says, "And all these people, as we speak, Shannon, let's go Cena. Cena sucks." And then no one's saying anything. Yeah. And everyone's just like, "As we all hear right now, anyway." <clears throat> line. So yes, they may have like tried to deliberately trigger the Royal Rumble reaction and just gotten silence. Yeah, I, I. That's what I expect. You really can never. Um, yeah, it's really never safe to like book with the crowd being like a participant unless you're That's why they got so lucky at that Brooklyn Raw in the summer when everyone chanted Daniel Bryan because they knew the booking for SummerSlam and they knew what part they were supposed to play. You know, that was perfect. And um it just goes to show like the Daniel Bryan thing has really been building for longer than people realize. Um He's turned into a monster. He has. And uh, I think the WWE audience is now turning into a monster if they really think that they can now suddenly book the main event of WrestleMania <laughs> themselves. They did. There really has to be a large amount of consensus for that to happen again, though. I mean, they're like, who else? Like, who's the next guy they're going to, like, all get behind like that? If it, if, if it was up to me, I would say they need to do it for Dolph Ziggler. I agree. That would be the one. They need to channel all their CM Punk chants, which are probably futile for the time being and just get on the same page. Yes. Make something happen. I believe that if I were booking WWE, the top tier of guys right now would be Brian, the shield, um, Cesaro, Bray Wyatt, Cena. I would keep Cena in there and Dolph Ziggler. Those would be my, like, you know, maybe add a few more, but those would be my guys. Sami Zayn also probably – he probably wouldn't start him out at the top because I don't think that's a good idea for anyone. But he'd be being groomed for that. For that. Like I, I just see like Brian versus Ziggler should be like a modern day Brett versus – Rock Triple H. Sure. That. I was going to – Brett Sean. Yeah, you were gonna yeah say. I was going to say Brett Sean you know, because they're smaller and more athletic than those other mm-hmm. two. Um, Yours is better. Yeah, like I, I, I just, but obviously that would be really hard with Ziggler without a lot of rehabilitation, um, in terms of his push, not in terms of any kind of uh, substance abuse, which I do not believe he has. Just for the record, um, just bleach. Yeah, just bleach. Addicted to bleach. Great record. Yeah, I was gonna say Floyd the Barber. Anyway, um, sliver. No. Incest aside. Yeah, yeah it's incest aside. <laughs> Um, if you think about it, Brian and, and Ziggler have had probably a, a great match every year since 2010. The difference is 
the only one that was high profile was those um, first pay-per-view match they had, whatever that was, like a bragging rights or something. And the fact that I'm saying whatever it was and bragging rights says that high profile may have been an exaggeration. <laughs> but I know they had a match on SmackDown that was great right after Brian won the world title. And then, of course, they had a six-minute tag match at WrestleMania last year, but they had a couple long singles matches on Raw before that. Yeah, they can even, like, kind of shoehorn like a narrative of like oh we were both in tag teams against each other and then broke off as single stars like sean and brett did even though both of those tag teams were <laughs> you know even team hell no was not a perennial long-term tag team the way the rockers and the hard foundation were but point being ziggler let's let's do it we want we want ziggler um i don't know what what could the chant be um hashtag heel, hashtag heel hashtag heel <laughs> Hounds of Justice is a weird one because I would just say probably Shield, 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 <laughs> yeah, Shield. Exactly. They like that da, na, 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 rhythm. The, uh, if if there was like a, a really smarky crowd, like in New York or something or Philadelphia, that they can get enough of the people to chant, you're going to get your fucking head kicked in, um, I'd mark out. It did, uh, Bray's going to kill you. That's true. Even I would even you know I would even try to organize them to do it a little PG. You're gonna get your freaking head kicked in. <laughs> it would work out perfectly. I think that'd be awesome. I think Brian would mark out for that. Let's do it. You and me, let's do it. I'm on it. Uh, but uh, do you want to talk about the streak? Yeah, I guess. All right, I'll let you go first because I really feel like everything's kind of been said. But maybe you will prove me wrong. The thing about the streak with regard to, I think, the show in total is not so much that it happened, but just part of what made this WrestleMania really stand out as a historical show. Even like at trading a, a great Undertaker match as we've had for seven previous years for something as shocking as that is what combined with the Daniel Bryan one really made this stand out on a historical level, which I guess made led me to want to ask you less about the streak itself. Feel free to say whatever you have to say, which is evidently not much, but about this WrestleMania in the context of uh, the last few to many. How about just all of them, the context of all of them? That's fine. Uh, I think um, Loss from the Pro Wrestling Only Board mentioned on a podcast that I listened to, it might, you know, maybe it's not the best WrestleMania ever, but it might be the most satisfying WrestleMania ever, in terms of like just everything coming together the way it should have, and ending right, and um, you know the crowd being you know good at the right moments, and um, and all that. I and I think that yeah, I think the streak ending does add to that because it it makes it feel like okay, well this was an important show, and I got my money's worth. Because I watched an important show and it had the Brian moment, but it also had like a moment that, you know, no one, you know, people always complain about unpredictability in wrestling. If anyone complained about anything unpredictable happening and, you know, nothing unpredictable happening at WrestleMania 30, they are, they really just want to complain because who, like, who really, really could have predicted that The Undertaker would lose his streak to Brock Lesnar? You know, maybe some people said it. I don't think anyone really believes that that's what would happen if they actually pay attention to wrestling. So they got that out of it. They got the fact that it was legitimately super unpredictable. Um, and then, you know, even though the match wasn't, I mean, it would have been better if it was a good match. Definitely. I, I imagine that you would agree with that. 
but it almost was it almost worked out in a storyline sense that it wasn't in that it was like okay this guy just can't do it anymore and they really are like putting old yeller like <laughs> out to out to pasture like the way they talked about with Ric Flair you know well said Matt please hold the line so I can thank today's sponsor Take me out to the ball game. Take me out to ESPN.com. ESPN.com is the official website of the ESPN channel, bringing the worldwide leader to the worldwide web. When a sports story breaks, you better head over to ESPN.com because it's loaded with features for true sports nuts. News, scores, game recaps, stats, team rosters, player weights, and now, just in time for baseball season, the Major League Baseball section of ESPN.com has the results of every single game this season. And I'm not just talking about the score. I'm talking about hits. I'm talking about errors. I'm talking about the complete standings of every division and every team updated daily throughout the year. Use the offer code SHAPS for a free trial today. www.espn.com. It's da-da-da-da-da-da.com. Matt, you were saying? I know. Would you agree with me that WrestleMania, at the very least, was maybe the most satisfying show they've done? Yes, because as much as uh, the the comparisons to WrestleMania 14 and the dawning of a new age, if not a new boom period, it worked just as much as the final Nitro of WWE. If that was a series finale of, of WWE, it was, by coincidence, a big round number, WrestleMania 30. You could not have a more grandiose final bow for everything than... Um, everything you rattled off. The streak ends. Daniel Bryan vanquishes all his enemies over the last eight months. Triple H, the Triple H character, eats great comeuppance after, say, 15 years or so. You had the meeting of Stone Cold and Hulk Hogan and The Rock in the first segment. Um, John Cena overcomes the odds that no one wants him to overcome one more time, just for old time's sake. I mean, it's the final Nitro. You may as well do it. And um, Cody Rhodes eliminates Damien's hand out from a battle royal, blowing off their uh, long-term rivalry as the former Rhodes Scholars. What more would you, aside from a Vince appearance, I don't think you really need too much else from the final episode of World Wrestling Entertainment. No, I mean, yeah, I think that's a, that's a damn good point. Um, I didn't even think of it like that. I mean, part of what makes the Bryan thing special is that it's not the end, and like now he's gonna go forward and be champion. Like I mentioned before, like I think there's you know importance to that because like they could decide any like you know good little worker is gonna get like a big moment, and then but they don't have to rely on him anymore to to draw money. So you know I I think there's a little bit of like I think probably if they were gonna have somebody win the very last WWE show, I don't know I don't know who it would be maybe probably be like Triple H <laughs> honestly. Um, but um, but I think like the fact that this was like because you know I, you probably can't say this was the best WrestleMania ever if you're just doing match by match because it didn't have the variety of other WrestleManias it didn't have the quantity of great matches it it had you know very clear like down periods for the crowd um, but it had you know I th- I think at the same time it's everything that I think that an American pro wrestling show should be in that. It did have great matches. It really took you on an emotional ride. You felt kind of spent at the end, but like in a good way, like emotionally spent due to like this emotional investment. Um, had great performances, uh, great production, um, and uh, 
and I, you know, I think just really, it's it's really pretty much everything you can really realistically ask for from modern WWE. Like there are there there are other kinds of shows that I prefer. Like I I miss the days of like deep undercards where you have a lot. I mean, not just from WWF. Like if you if you go on the network and watch some of those old WCW shows, like they have like good like interesting storylines and matches like you know five or six matches deep. You know, you'll have like intense mid card matches with like blood and uh, and passion and super crowd heat, and you really don't get that from WWE anymore. Like they they really focus on like the top three matches, and that's it. And I do miss that, and um, you know, and you definitely don't get the variety of different styles anymore because they've kind of streamlined it. But for what modern WWE is capable of, what they can do, I'd say you know pretty much it's, it was the it was a 10 out of 10, but just judging by that metric, like this is like, this is the ideal for WWE at that, at this point. It is the ideal. And it's one that they, to me, for little good reason had gotten away from at WrestleMania for a few years after a long, consistent run of WrestleMania as a super show, a stadium show, a blow off show that satisfied a lot of different things all at once I, in in the ring i'd say this was on par with the run from 20 to 24 pick whichever one you feel is appropriate but the the historical consequences we talked about are what it made at uh what made it stand out more from just a really enjoyable big wrestling show with a big Shawn michaels match a big undertaker match and, and the other guys who were such a big part of that run and it certainly made a difference that I mean, I have no qualms whatsoever with the amount of running with John Cena they did from 2005 to 2013. Uh, I feel like history has sort of borne that one out. But it definitely makes a difference to have uh, your top babyface be someone that for once your WrestleMania crowd actually wants to see win. Yeah. Who's not playing an away game, as they would say every year. Yeah, it's like... um... It's it was like it's a truly like great story, and um, I'm gonna try to uh, post something on the internet about that story, story that everyone knows, but trying to like put it all together in a uh, in kind of a, a way that shows what a big deal it is and why. But um, really great story that the crowd seemed to recognize, and uh, and yeah, I mean, just everyone got on board with it, and it, yeah, it felt it just felt like how the way it was supposed to be. And I think that's exciting, like that for once it was just exactly the way it was supposed to be. And it's usually not in WWE. It's amazing everything it took to get there. I I don't know, do you feel like everything from the night of SummerSlam was worth it to have this? You'd have to ask Daniel Bryan, honestly. Um, but yeah, the only thing that I, that I regret is CM, CM Punk leaving. Like I I – probably change things if it meant that CM Punk would be there and be happy and be a part of the show. I think that would uh that may that that makes a big difference to me. Um that'd be the only thing though. And I feel like we could have gotten here even without CM Punk leaving. And I would give myself I think a moment where Daniel Bryan won the Royal Rumble and like to somehow get you back to where they ended up being, maybe they could have then screwed it out of him somehow. 
uh, as has happened in different Road to WrestleMania. Like, he could have said, congratulations. Oh, look at this. We're going to give you your title shot at the Elimination Chamber with everybody else, which you lose. Or something like that. Because then I could have seen a really fun moment at the Royal Rumble. But that was still part of the, like, it, it, it made it even bigger was that, you don't want to tank the, your second biggest show, but it definitely added to the emotion and the catharsis of it, and it added a new player into the storyline, which was undeserving animal David Batista. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, like that the Royal Rumble that's like a key moment in terms of like that mm-hmm. the, the angst of the crowd being like, mm-hmm. okay, no, like this was the moment you were supposed to give it to us, and you took it away. Like up until then, they really hadn't taken away something that the fans thought was supposed to happen. You know, like the, Brian didn't get his big moment to win the title but there was never that moment where it was like okay this is when this was when he was supposed to win the title yeah it really felt like there i called it a game of chicken earlier and the game was going to run out there once your wrestlemania main eventer wins the royal rumble you're kind of locked out of telling that story unless perhaps your number one baby face is completely rejected and turned heel then you may have to go back to the drawing board a little bit but yeah less than wrestlemania it felt more like um the clock was ticking and the uh event horizon was going to be the rumble itself and what happened there which you saw in the emotional outpouring of antipathy for people who were holding out hope and then didn't get it because i also said before the angle with daniel bryan and the cage and the wyatt's that felt like a clear-cut moment like Bret Hart and Lex Luger where you say, oh, hang on a second. This is the story we need to be telling and not that one. And it played out more or less the same way, except this time Bret Hart was not in the Royal Rumble and everyone booed Lex Luger. No, absolutely. That that moment, the white moment, like, yeah, that's like – that's it. Like, I mean, Seattle you could, like, dismiss – if you want to, I mean, I watched it again, and you really can't. But you could say, okay, this was this hometown crowd, you know. The uh, the Wyatt thing was in Providence, Rhode Island. Was divine Providence. Yeah, about as far away from Seattle as you can get. Um, I guess actually, like South Florida would be, but um, in terms of inside the U.S. But <laughs> but um, but like it was clear, like it was like that crowd was like euphoric. When like the Daniel Bryan they love came back, and it was only after like two weeks, you know, it's not like he had been gone forever, and they were like, oh, finally, you know, our heroes are. It's just like no, they were just upset at the notion that maybe he might not be that guy for at all, and just like the fact, like okay, they came to their senses. It was just like this palpable sense of like relief, and when you have a guy that evokes that, it's like yeah, go with him. Like mm-hmm. it should be obvious, and the fact that it wasn't obvious to them. I think made the fans that much more uh, emphatic about it, and I think that made right. the moment better. Like business metrics is one thing, but they would they would sacrifice. I'm trying to think of a, a non-gross metaphor. They would be celebrating. Nope, this one's gross. They would be if John Cena, if they could. Maybe not this year, but when they really wanted it, like in the lead up to the rock thing or maybe John Cena's entire run on top, if they could somehow manipulate the audience into giving the reactions that Brian has gotten over the last year, which are just people in the crowd making noise, if you want to dismiss it at that, if they could get just people in the crowd making that noise for John Cena at any point, they would celebrate like the day that Chris Benoit's autopsy came in and said it didn't have steroids in his system. Yeah, uh, I'll I'll leave that analogy alone. But I get what you're saying, and I think you're right. Like, 
It was a, it's a big deal. Like that's like yeah, um, few people ever have gotten that kind of reaction, and Brian has gotten it like a bunch of times. Perfect example, considering who is involved this year. What if they had just stuck to Randy Orton versus Triple H at WrestleMania 21 and just wanted to ignore the Batista thing because we have this plan for Randy Orton? Yeah, I mean, I mean, I guess maybe by hook or crook they would have gotten Randy Orton over. But uh, no, yeah, I mean, like, obviously Batista was a guy. You know, that's the guy they wanted. You know, and uh, I, it was kind of inconceivable at the time that they wouldn't just say, "Okay, we're going to go with Batista now," right? And you would think it would be inconceivable that they would not go with Daniel Bryan either. And uh, it wasn't, you know, because they didn't until they kind of were forced to. And uh, but they did. I will. I mean, I have to give them complete credit for as long as they held out. They ended up doing what they do for the most part and figuring it out. Yeah. And- Can you think of which years occur to you? This was almost. You know the, the Final Destination franchise where there's a flaw in Death's design and then things just magically happen to do what needs to be done? You know that universal analogy I just made? Oh, yeah. Of course. So that's really what felt like it happened here. It was just the universe, not the WWE universe, set about course-correcting this and course-corrected it perfectly by the time we got to WrestleMania. You very nearly could not have told a better story from SummerSlam to now. So thinking of previous WrestleManias, I'd, which ones do you think they did not get back on the right track? Because it was hard for me to come up with a comparison like what would have happened this year when it, it was like the right idea was right there in front of them and they somehow went with something that felt dramatically divorced from the story they were telling and the emotion of the crowd behind it. Well, if we're we're talking about main events, right? Yeah. All right, so let's go through it one by one. Sure. I'm ready to do it. WrestleMania. Um, I'd say that was pretty perfect, right? They made the made the company that storyline with Mr. T. But mm-hmm. can't think of any flaws. You know, modern times, I'd say make it less racist. Um, oh, sure. <laughs> besides that, I think it was fine. Uh, WrestleMania two, very basic storyline, really didn't have. That could have been anybody. It was uh, he, Hogan had good runs with lots of people. That was one of them. There you go. Yeah, I'd say like the Paul Orndorff thing really overshadows that in history. But I think there was not even time for Paul Orndorff and Hogan to become best friends and then better enemies before you got to WrestleMania two. Right, and WrestleMania wasn't the be all end all. They had a big stadium show in in uh, Hamilton, Ontario. That. Uh, Probably you know did pretty huge business in and of itself. So they de facto SummerSlam, right? So they they got something out of Orndorff and uh, Hogan. <laughs> the, that's an understatement. Best 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 uh, house show um, program ever, probably um, mm-hmm. in terms of business. Uh, Hogan versus Andre, unimpeachable. Uh, yep. I'd say that uh, WrestleMania Four is an interesting one. Um, yes, I guess. I mean, as a prologue to WrestleMania five, which I think we'd also say is unimpeachable, then sure. I mean maybe if you wanted to line up in the legacy of WrestleMania somehow, like if it fit in the pattern of all the other WrestleManias, DiBiase would have had to cheat Hogan out of the title with the twin referees and then lose it to Savage or something like that. Yeah, something like that, I would say probably yeah. I mean I, the tournament did not work out as a show. Even though a lot of people, you know, I mean, it worked out in the sense that it's something very, it's a different, you know, something different. It's an anomaly. 
it's uh, so it's it's kind of a, a curiosity in the WrestleMania canon. So it's kind of fun to watch it in that level, even if it's not good as a wrestling show. Yes, uh, renting the double wide, double deep tape from my movie rental place and other terms that don't exist anymore in 2014 always felt like, oh, this must have been really big. As did reading in like early 90s WWF magazines that would go over old WrestleManias talking about the night that Randy Savage beat four people in one night. It seemed like a big deal. Uh, hindsight is sort of, well, we, we know what the, the legacy of that show is. Yeah. That said, I think probably still worth it to be there because it is fun to watch like for at least once in the sense of like, okay, this is a big tournament, WrestleMania. It's different. So you know what would tie it into the surrounding history is if there was a, a Bret Hart, Mr. Perfect-esque um, middle round match between Savage and Steamboat. That would have been – I mean certainly would have been perfect. And who knows? You know, I mean the crowd pretty notoriously wasn't interested in most of the matches. Some might not have been that good. But I think probably still would have been pretty good. Um, yep. Yeah, like you said, WrestleMania five, unimpeachable. Uh, WrestleMania six, I'd say whatever you can impeach on that, like totally worth that happening. That's one of the most legendary matches in history. Agreed. So yeah, let's 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 say that was unimpeachable. Um, mm-hmm. WrestleMania seven, I think, is probably your best bet so far, as far as as far as them doing the wrong thing, and. Uh, uh, like I said, that w- it worked out on the night as far as the crowd reacting the right way. You know, it was a pretty you know basic storyline. You know, guy steals the title. You know, supports bad things. Vir- mm-hmm. Virtuous man wins it back. You know, classic wrestling storyline, mm-hmm. but not exactly a dream match. It was actually probably one of the best WrestleMania main events up to that point. <laughs> funnily enough, yes, probably probably the best, like probably the second or third best WrestleMania main event ever at that point, in just terms mm-hmm. of match quality. Because you really you had you had Hogan and Savage, Hogan and Warrior, Hogan and and Slaughter, and I'd say I'd say Hogan and Warrior is the best, just for all the intangibles, the layout and stuff. Then I'd probably go Hogan Savage, Hogan Slaughter, but I'd say Hogan Savage and Hogan Slaughter are pretty comparable in terms of their match quality. Um, to make it work, you'd need an angle that was not a gigantic turnoff. Pick any other heel. I mean, since this wasn't big. Take whichever Hulk Hogan opponent that you like who wasn't going to draw anyway. Like, Mr. Perfect stole the belt at the Royal Rumble or something. And Hogan won it back and won number three, was it? So, hooray. Or do Hogan Warrior 2. Like, <laughs> would have been fine on me. I mean, the only bad part about that is that you wouldn't get Hogan, you wouldn't get Warrior Savage. Mm-hmm. Um, or do make, a, if Warrior Savage was the main event, ignoring, like, all the, however you're going to course correct before or after that, people be like, hey, whoa. And then Hogan can just do whatever. Yeah. So, As the way I'm sure they originally envisioned it the year before. Yes. Now, WrestleMania 8, I'd say, is the biggest one so far that we've gotten to. Not, you know, 7 seven was really the first one that really you could really say was kind of just like flat out they should have done something different. 8, they really should have done something different. And um, I don't care. Hence I, the reason it's the most discussed decision from history that continually comes up today. Yeah, I mean, listen, you, you could say whatever you want about Hogan and Flair not drawing it well that well at the house shows. But then they should have just not done it right away at the house shows, you know, like they should have built it up, promoted it the way like any sane person would have and then done it at a giant dome at WrestleMania mm-hmm. and uh, done. Like that's it. Hogan, Hogan versus Flair for the title. WrestleMania mm-hmm. done. Flair still wins the Royal Rumble. Um, you know, he he wins a lot of matches. Hogan never loses the title. Um, 
Or, you know, they can even do the whole Hogan loses the title thing and Flair wins it at the Royal Rumble and then Flair defends it. Either way, works out fine. Don't have them near each other until WrestleMania. Promote it the way it should be promoted. That's the biggest WrestleMania main event. Even if, it, even if it's not the biggest drawing because of the timing, it still would be remembered as one of the biggest WrestleMania main events. I mean, re- technically, I think Warrior versus Hogan was not as big of a draw as you'd think, right? Like, didn't it do worse on pay-per-view than the following SummerSlam did? Yes. Ins- but insane that that's true. You know, isn't that insane that that's true? A large man sitting on Hogan was bigger than Babyface versus Babyface. A large man sitting on Hogan is bigger than one of the biggest matches in history to this day. <laughs> like, that's insane. But, you know, business is weird. WrestleMania 9? Uh, yeah, this is not good. Yeah, I mean, what the fuck are they going to do? Like, I don't even know. I mean, I guess, honestly, maybe going with Yokozuna was the thing to do. Um, as far as Hogan winning right after it, probably not the thing to do. Um, if Yokozuna, if Yokozuna just won that match, held it till WrestleMania 10, lost it back to Bret Hart, would they have lost anything from that? No. Um, now as far as what they could have done differently at WrestleMania 9, they could have done a ton of different things to make it a better show or a better match. But in terms of like where, like the storyline they should have been telling at that time, I don't know. You tell me what should they have been telling? Slim Pickens then, if you like, it, it, in some comic ver- book version of WWF history, Bret Hart would have won the Royal Rumble and beat Ric Flair at this WrestleMania nine, and then started the Bret Hart era. But the the circumstances behind why all that happened were obviously a little more complicated than that, and it almost certainly wouldn't have drawn any better. Right. Yeah, the hand they were dealt may as well just build up a big heel. And either let Bret Hart beat him or start a chase for the next year. Yeah, I'd say Yokozuna. I mean, I don't know how, like how they were drawing, and let's say like during Yokozuna's title reign, as compared to what happened right before or right after. But um, seemed to work out okay for the era they were in. Yeah, to me, and this is a, a terrible argument to make when you're comparing different eras, but just in t- terms of the conversation we're having, it was satisfying to that audience at the time for the guy they wanted to finally triumph over uh, a guy who had been built up for a long time as a, a really big threat. And uh, Speaking of which, WrestleMania 10, yes, that is what there they should go. have done. What they did is what they should have done. Probably should have had a different finish to the main event. That would be the main thing I would say. Bret Hart should have done a move to win. <laughs> that, that's what I'm trying to say. Shouldn't have just been a happy accident. Um WrestleMania 11, uh, shit, man. Like, <laughs> I don't know. Um, I don't. I don't think Diesel was a good idea in general. Um, maybe I'm wrong about that. Do you agree that Diesel was not a good idea in general, as far as like running with him as the top face for a year? Yes, he was. Uh, in he was holding Bret Hart's title for that time, as I think uh, history and the overarching narrative bears out. So. If you want to say it was year one of a two-year Bret Hart, Shawn Michaels, Austin Rock-esque WrestleMania rivalry, where Shawn wins the Rumble as a heel and loses and then comes back the next year and wins, that seems to make sense in the grand narrative of the company. Yeah, let's say that. Yeah, that, that works. There's really like, – like during, during that era, there's just really like – there's just such – there's so little that they really could have – they really had to work with. You know, yeah. The roster, like man, like you really have to think hard to realize how thin that roster was back then. Like mm-hmm. you got Diesel as Sean's bodyguard in Sid's spot, and then a big breakup the next night. Yes, this sounds like uh, a good WrestleMania. Yeah. Um, 
WrestleMania 12, yeah, that that thing. Yep. That was that's right. <laughs> 13, uh oh boy. Um the thing is you mess you, you you make it better and you get rid of one of the best most important moments in history. And uh I don't know, is it worth it? Does Brett versus Austin be for the title? Would that make a difference? That seems I, I don't think it changes the context too much. And uh, the Brett Sean part two, we have conveniently inserted as Bret Hart Sean negative one the year before 12. So I think it, it serves everything. That was definitely the two constellations who are orbiting each other. I've messed up that metaphor <laughs> anyway. So yes, but instead Austin trumps them as an even bigger galaxy. Yep. All of these analogies are checking out. So, yes, it. Uh, well, Bret Hart won the final four for the vacant title, and then he just defends against Steve Austin and wins in a double turn. Yeah, let's do that. Um, WrestleMania 14, yeah. You've done fine by me. WrestleMania 15, I think they could have done a little better in the buildup than they did given how epic that match should have been. But in the end, that's what they should have done, probably. Oh, and you know what? Foley should have been in there. Given what they actually ended up doing with the build-up, Foley should have been in that match. The big picture, it really set the table of the the Rumble formula of screwing the guy out of the title and him winning the Rumble and going to get it. So those parallel storylines they told of Austin versus people in his way and Rock versus Mankind to get to the uh, WrestleMania and then the two biggest stars at the hottest period of the business, Wrestle, Stone Cold gets revenge on everybody. I can't really argue with that in the big picture, but like you said, there are tweaks you could have done to make it more of a, the on the night a more WrestleMania esque thing. Yes, and I still say Foley should have been in it. Like it was, it was just the right move storyline wise, in my opinion. They 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 could have just not gone to that direction with the storyline, and Austin and Austin vs. Rock would have made perfect sense. What they actually did, Foley should have been involved in that. He should not have been like a, a, a side a side show part of it, in my opinion. Well, reverse him. Make it a, a three-way this year, and then the next year is when Mick Foley is brought back as the referee and raises the Rock's hand when he wins a singles match. Yeah, it's fine by me. Yes, uh, WrestleMania 2000. Uh, bad, bad, bad idea all around. Um, and for clearly stupid reasons. Like, 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 <laughs> like it was clear. Like, it was all just to get the McMahon in every corner. And um, why they felt that was so important, I don't know. Um in the end, it probably worked out for the better because the crowd at WrestleMania 2000 kind of sucked. And so then the crowd at Backlash 2000 was incredible. So The Rock's actual win ended up coming off better. But it's still mm-hmm. not nearly as memorable because it was at Backlash instead of WrestleMania. Right. So, um, yeah. Now, it didn't feel at the time like these now big show did not feel like he belonged there because he was not over and he was just shane's guy and that's when he got in the match but much like you were talking about the year before foley had become in his retirement a bigger star than he'd ever been before so him being there felt appropriate it was just a terrible continuation of the story they were telling with right i mean they they told their story triple h you know he he passed the torch kind of he lost to triple h triple h got a lot out of those two matches now go on to The Rock and lose to The and Rock. And The Rock's friend, who finally started to like Mick Foley and became a much better babyface, was going to avenge him and bring sweeping justice to the land finally. Oops. Also, what's funny about Backlash is the scene with him and Austin perfectly teases the WrestleMania main event the next year. 
Definitely does. And yeah, that, yeah, it's like that worked out because they got two big buy rights out of it, just like they wanted. So in that sense, it worked out. They, and um, also what they also got out of it, Triple H retaining that match was the Jericho uh, phantom title change. And, you know, again, it's like you, you, you make one thing better, you lose something else. It's always going to happen. But um, if we're just talking about for the good of WrestleMania, I'd say the obvious. Triple H versus The Rock, one-on-one, The Rock wins. Um, WrestleMania 17, we're just talking about what to get to that match. Yeah, that was that was pretty damn good. Except for the Deborah stuff, which they figured out a couple weeks before. Um, you know, but like the all the promos they did were great. The video they did was great. Austin shouldn't have turned heel. And if he has to, it should have been in Texas. Now, Raw the next night was in Texas too, and it was never going to get over, but it does... It takes if you want these. We're telling the same WrestleMania story with the biggest stars in the main event and a happy ending or a satisfying ending. Then uh, Steve Austin wins with a stunner. Vince isn't out there, and they, you can do what you want to do after that. And you can build spots in the match to give Rock a reason to you know not have just lost clean and go away. Yeah. Now say what you want about WrestleMania 17. You know it was the best WrestleMania ever. I think that's still clearly true. Had the most different kinds of matches that were great. Probably the hottest crowd from beginning to end, but um, if you if you looked at like the landscape coming out of it, nowhere close to as exciting as it's been some other years. Um, the the Raw the night after WrestleMania sucked. Um, the, the the yes they they made things even worse on them. Like they took a, a tough situation and then made it even tougher by. It it also would have felt like the right thing happening at the right time had Triple H come out at the end and turn babyface, and that was your new direction. Right, but they said they really didn't. The new direction was at the Undertaker and Kane, and it was just depressing for like two months. So mm-hmm. in 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 that context, this WrestleMania 30 was better in that it it provided some new hope coming out of the show instead of some like oh what the fuck are they going to do now? I mean the one thing the one trump card that WrestleMania 17 had is that. Whatever happened right after WrestleMania, we still had the WCW invasion on the horizon. Mm-hmm. Um, but that didn't work out either. So, uh, <laughs> boo. Um, WrestleMania 18, uh, probably the right match. Pro- the-, the right match is in the wrong order, right? Yeah, well, yeah, well certainly the, uh, the Hogan versus Rock thing. I mean, that's what they should have done. Mm-hmm. Triple H versus Jericho, I think, was the right match. Their buildup was terrible. I mean, like, Right. Clearly, could have done a better job with that. I think if they had done a better job with that, the crowd would have been more into it. Would have been a better match. Um, but yeah, I would rather put my man Chris Jericho and give him that run, which I was so happy for him at the time, than to change it to something like Triple H versus Steve Austin. Yeah, I agree. And um, it had the right emotion behind it too. They just didn't tap into any of it. Say uh, two things. Okay, Chris Jericho takes credit for injuring Triple H, which he mentioned sometimes, but then the announcers would be like, that's not true. Triple H fell down. Right. And then um, Triple H and Stephanie are boning. You mean Chris Jericho and Stephanie? Yes. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> but it- Just two things I think about all the time, and I got caught up in them. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that, I mean, re- remember that dynamic? Because it was the perfect story where uh, – she doesn't end up with Kurt Angle, which again, if I was going back and changing things, I would have that happen. But so instead, the guy she's with is the one she was fighting all the time and had all that Sam and Diane sexual tension with Chris Jericho. Yeah, exactly. 
Um, and then just let Steve Austin wrestle Kurt Angle. Yeah, right. Exactly. I mean, if we're just if we're just talking about making the shows better, there's a lot we could do. But uh, um, also, Triple H uh, take less steroids. Um, <laughs> sorry, that's not slander. Look like you take less steroids. How about that? Mm-hmm. That yep. that changes it. Um, the uh, nineteen. Uh, hmm. Uh, I guess I get. Well, it was the first year of two titles, so you could certainly make some changes to the Triple H angle that year. Uh, yep. Angle. Yes, this is now post eighteen is when we have to deal with like four or five main events per year. Yeah, I mean, uh, 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 Angle versus Lesnar. I'd say absolutely fine how they did it. Lesnar. Sh- that was a, what we're talking about the WrestleMania story formula. Yeah, Lesnar should have rolled Angle closer. <laughs> yep. In the end. <laughs> Good note. Because um, I think then I probably would have all went fine. That was a show that righted itself on the night because Austin and Rock did not really tap into the emotion and the history of those two guys, but the way they worked the match and what it ended up being, that fixed itself. And, J- and, and Jim Ross, I'd say, was like as much of a part of making that match seem special as anyone. Because he obviously knew that it was Austin's last match. He obviously knew that Austin was in the hospital the night before. And he, to- he told us without telling us. There were things, I mean, Jerry Lawler would just try and do his shtick like, ha ha, Stone Cold, it's scared of the rock. And Ross would just be like, shut up. Adults are doing important things. This is bigger than all of us. Stone Cold. <laughs> He that I think might be Jim Ross's all time greatest performance. I'd have to watch it again, but I just off the top of my head, I think it might be. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, Triple H, let Book- yeah, sorry, just let Booker T win and drop it back whenever. Yeah, or don't be racist in the buildup. Oh, that too. <laughs> that goes without saying. Yeah, I think if Booker T had to lose, I mean, even if Booker T had to win, don't be racist in the buildup. <laughs> this is fair. Not worth being racist in the buildup is what I'd say. Yes, that one does not look good, especially in hindsight, because he had to keep the title strong for a guy who he did not drop it to until September in subsequent programs that did not get over. So right. people would have been happy for Booker T. Booker T was very popular at that point in time. Sure. And oh boy, if we're going to change this to a discussion of changing finishes on the fly, uh, Goldberg, SummerSlam. Oh, yeah, yeah. We'll do SummerSlam in the summer. We'll go through all the SummerSlams. Yeah, they should have called that audible, like, right there. Like, okay, there's no reason to make this, to stress this out another month. But anyway, sorry. Um, We'll go through the history of the whole company next time, because that's going to take the whole show. Oh, well, the other thing was uh, Hogan and Vince also righted itself on the night, because uh, it was the most promoted match on SmackDown, and then somehow... Uh, smarter heads prevailed and made that like a fun giant Baba mid-card legends match that exceeded expectations and made Angle and Lesnar the main event. People don't give that match enough credit. Uh, Hogan or Vince. Man, that match was good. Um, Yeah, Vince probably had bad punches or something. Who gives a shit? Um, (laughs) The, um... So WrestleMania 20. See, this, this, that whole lineup was just way too complicated. Like, I don't even know. Like, if you're going to, like, have, like, a tightly focused WrestleMania 20, I don't know what the fuck you'd do. So it was a quintuple main event. To me, all those things came together in a satisfying way. I'm not going to count for what happened afterwards and why the good vibes can't be shown anymore. But I don't think there's a whole lot of change about that. Even Goldberg and Lesnar flopping is just kind of a moment in time and it, it happened for historical reasons. I suppose that's true. 
I would have liked them to have a good match because I think they could have, but you're right. Yeah, um, I expect them to. Yeah, me too. And uh, and also the way the year was building, it seemed like Goldberg and Lesnar was going to be one of the world title matches. Right. I I think I think that's true. I think if maybe if Goldberg wasn't leaving, you know, because I think they didn't find out about Lesnar leaving until after they did the title switch. But if Goldberg wasn't leaving, I think maybe it still would have been. I don't know. Maybe not. Um, but yeah, no, I think WrestleMania 20 worked out great um, in terms of the top matches at the time. Uh, you know, I say, I know Mick Foley is very disappointed at his performance in that match with the Evolution match. Um, it was a good match. But that's not my problem. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, it was a good match. I don't think it was supposed to be the match that, like, stole the show. Right. Um, I, yes, I think Rock working the show and doing the stuff with Flair is more WrestleMania than the far better legit classic match they had the next month. I agree with that. It's kind of like Austin and uh, or Rocket Backlash 2000. You get both of them. I agree with that. Everyone's happy except Mick. Agreed. WrestleMania 22. Um, I think that if that was, I mean, listen, the Batista thing worked out the way it should have. You know, wish it was a better match, but that's neither here nor there. Triple H probably should have just been less ambitious and done a shorter match. The the one thing I think was, should have been changed was the um, the build up to Cena's title win. Um, if that was really the crown, I mean, that was supposed to be, and still pretend that they, it is the coronation of the the star of the past decade. Boy, there was nothing to that, both in terms of the build up and in terms of the match. There was just nothing. Nobody cared because they didn't really make you care, and the match was like a bad SmackDown main event. So I would say that is the thing that I would have worked on somehow, done more to build to Cena winning the title. Yeah, I mean, I, I would have even had a, a different guy as champion, but it depends on how far back you want to start changing things. Kurt Angle would have been the guy to drop the belt to him there probably, but uh, he had better things to do. Yeah, I mean, you don't want to get rid of the uh, Cena-Shawn Michaels match. I mean, the the Angle-Shawn Michaels match. But they could have done it because JBL had held the title for a long time. Yeah. Have Cena chase it more. Have Cena get screwed out of it, you know? And and because I don't – was he? I don't think he was really in that buildup. He just kind of got the shot at no way out, and yep. then he won it in a – And there were – the, it was the culmination of the JBL cheating reign. He should have done things where it seemed like he was on the verge of uh, going to pull it out again, and then finally he stopped Hooray. Or just let them have the I quit match they had uh, – couple months later at least it would have been a great match. right i mean the thing that surprised me most about that wrestlemania is is how little effort they put into those two main events like given what was on the undercard like no bells no whistles why why not why not just do a bunch of stuff why not have run-ins and and blood they did blood back then and um and tables and you know false finishes and all that stuff why just why these super basic matches mm-hmm. as far as having the right people in the right place though they landed on it yes because those are the two guys, I mean, Cena especially. And Cena really, though, 22 is his, like, Steve Austin at WrestleMania 14 moment, really, because then he was on Raw, and he beat... It really felt like a passing of the torch. Agreed. However, going into that show, it's kind of like 19 where they made it on the night. The Triple H was very stale, and the angle they did with Edge was tailor-made for John Cena to go win the Royal Rumble and chase Edge and win it back at WrestleMania. But the alternative two things those guys did ended up being worth it. Yeah, I mean, I think the Edge versus Mick Foley angle was probably the best angle going into WrestleMania that they were that they had going. Would you say that? Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, 
yeah, I don't even remember the build up to Cena versus Triple H. Maybe I wasn't watching as much, but I don't remember at all what they did to build up that match. And they and they did. It was just they, a lot of Triple H running him down and saying, "I'm going to get the belt back because I'm Triple H." Sort of the same way uh, some of this stuff he implied with Brian this year of I'll win because it's my turn again. Well, I guess in that sense, probably, probably what they what what they should have done if they were going to have that match, maybe. I don't know what did Cena say. Like, did Cena really stand up for himself in a good way, or was it did he cut? That was the weird build where he actually said, "Like, you're not that good a worker, but you win somehow." And then, so it paid off because of uh, he tapped him out. There's not probably that's one of the best actual finishes at WrestleMania ever. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's certainly surprising because I mean that was before Cena started winning a lot by submission. So like mm-hmm. the fact that Cena won by submission, yeah, pretty pretty cool. I mean, the other big angle that everyone was talking about going in was Rey Mysterio's quest for the title. Um, and on the night, on the night, the match was so short and the crowd wasn't really cooperative, so it didn't seem as epic as it could have seemed. But also the build-up itself, a lot of problems with that. Um, the, the Eddie stuff, I mean, just inexcusable. Like the, the, to like be like, oh, Eddie Guerrero's in hell, like that kind of thing. Like not acceptable. In my, still nope. to this day, not acceptable as a way to build up a match right after a guy dies. Um, that was uh, all the negative vibes going to that show. Were we don't want Cena Triple H and this Eddie Guerrero thing for the other world title match, especially at first when it was just going to be Randy Orton screwing him out of the title shot to get heat and go into a singles match with Kurt Angle. So it could have been a lot worse that considering that, but also if you give them a longer match and you just tell, I mean, I don't like using guys death, but, but there's a way to tell that story where it's happy and not exploitative. Yes. Oh yeah. You can mention it. Like you can carry Von Eric. Yeah. Yeah, you could mention that, uh, you know, Eddie, that Rey Mysterio is dedicating this to Eddie Guerrero. Like, perfect. That's fine. Don't have, don't have the, uh, don't have the heel healing on the recently deceased man. Like, that's not, it's not what you do. There you go. But you did it. Uh, WrestleMania 23. I um, I'm pretty happy with what they did there. I don't remember that all came together. I don't remember the Batista versus Undertaker build. I remember the Michaels versus Cena build, and I thought that was excellent. I might have even considered having Michaels go over there, um, but wasn't a big deal that he didn't. Uh, I, I'm not saying that anything would be appreciably better if he had. So uh, either was fine with me. I yeah. mean, it would have been a big pop on the night. Also, this was John Cena in only like year two of his guy, so him beating Hunter and Sean back to back was a nice thing for franchise guy's legacy. Was Cena expected to win that match? <sighs> I think it could have gone either way. That was a, a legit one where just the story was so good and people were waiting to see what happened because they knew they were going to keep working together, which they didn't then because Sean got hurt very shortly thereafter. Yeah, I, I – um, see, that's that's the thing that annoys me is like sometimes people are like, oh, WWE is so predictable. Everything's so predictable. Then like you can point to these matches where it's like clearly not that predictable. And uh, I've – you know, obviously Undertaker versus Lesnar, but I pointed this year when people were complaining about it being predictable to Bray Wyatt versus John Cena. I think that match could have obviously gone either way. And so, like, if a match can be, is, has a 50-50 chance of either guy winning, pretty much the definition of unpredictable, right? Mm-hmm. So, anyway, um, tangent. Mm-hmm. Um, WrestleMania 24. Um, oh, hey, the other thing about 23 is if you were really building, you would have wanted, like, Jeff Hardy or CM Punk to be the babyface in that Donald Trump match, but what are you going to do? Hmm, yeah, I see now CM Punk... I don't know if C- the CM would CM Punk really have made sense there. 
Uh, no, not at all. But he was the other guy in ECW, like Robert Lashley was. Yeah, okay. So Je- Jeff Hardy, though. That makes sense. Lashley made sense if he was going to stay. Right. It made perfect sense. Probably would have could have been a better heel there. I mean, it's like it always frustrates me a little bit when like the big match that gets rain- mainstream attention feels like kind of a circus show, like with like a guy like Umaga who's a good wrestler, but like you know, I, I still think you know even if he did a good job with that character, I still think that character is really embarrassing in two thousand seven. They did have Edge and Randy Orton in a Money in the Bank match. Yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, but the, I'm sure Vince would have gotten along with one of those guys. Do you agree with me about that? Like, it's like you really, if you're as a wrestling fan, you wish that somebody else was representing wrestling in terms of like mainstream attention besides Uma, Umaga, you know, like, which is basically, you know, just an old fashioned racial stereotype gimmick. Nothing against the performer. I'm like saying the character, it's a racist character. It just, it just flat out is. And I don't accept that anymore, even if it is old school wrestling. At the time, I was just much happier that it was not the great Kali, as a lot of people said it was going to be. Yeah, that's true too. Yeah, I just, I just like when, when, when there are eyes on wrestling, I like it to be like guys where it's like, okay, this is just a, a, a good wrestler, a good, you know, pro wrestler. You know, not necessarily a good worker, just a good professional wrestler who seems cool. And it's like, yeah, this is a guy I like to show people would say why I watch wrestling. And a lot of people like Umaga a lot. I think he did a good job with what he was given. I still do not – I'm not comfortable with like savage gimmicks, you know, like non-white person savage, you know, like <laughs> not, not, not just not something I'm okay with. Samoans are Roman Reigns and the Usos now. They're chilled out, somewhat hip-hoppy, oh, nice guys. Yes, th- that, that is cool with me. Like I'm very happy with that change. 2007, I was still surprised that they were doing the Samoan savage gimmick. Another guy who would have been good in that spot is Rey Mysterio, but I believe his knee was uh, destroyed at the time as part of the 12-year WrestleMania Rey Mysterio curse. Yeah, that poor guy. Um, 24? Uh, I remember very little about the build to that except for the Mayweather thing and the Flair thing. Undertaker versus Edge, I know that definitely had a big built-in story because Edge stole the title from him. Um uh, right after he he got hurt or something, so Edge had to win at Money in the Bank the year before. Is that what happened? Yep. Like he, like he like Edge beat Kennedy for the briefcase, and then Edge beat Undertaker for the title, and so this match was like kind of the climax of that storyline. Yep. So that's good. That sounds good. That was perfect. Yeah. Um, Jeff Hardy was the hot guy. The hot guy. <laughs> he shirt off, but he was not available for WrestleMania anyway, and. As sick as we got of them, it's they are Cena and Triple H and Randy Orton in that match were the appropriate people of the time period. Well, yes, they Cena and Triple H were both paying off of coming back from injury storylines. Now, interestingly enough, the, the heel still won. Maybe they should have had a babyface win. Which one? <sighs> okay, I would have John Cena win because him coming back at the Royal Rumble is so much better. Uh, but since I'm going to make Triple H probably lose clean to Randy Orton the next year, I'll let him win this time. Okay, fair enough. And Cena got to win the Rumble, so good for him. That is true. Oh, man, Cena at the Rumble in 2008. So good. The most I've ever liked John Cena, perhaps. Yes. Well, the Sean feud the year before was also good. It was a good times for John Cena. That's another thing I'll say is uh, for all the you – know, not raising a new point about the backlash to the John Cena era. Mostly the whole time, I so much preferred that to the Triple H era 
which I would say when he it was supposed to be the Brock Lesnar and was really just the Triple H era. Once we moved over to Cena, I felt like all of this effort and promotion was going into like more satisfying storylines, even if half the crowd didn't think so. I agree with that. I will say probably the roster as far as like wrestling quality was probably still better during the Triple H era, at least compared to the first half of the Cena era. I mean, 2002, that roster, man. Like People talk about the depth now. It ain't even close in my opinion, to what they had in 2002. When you had like Angle and Lesnar and Benoit and Guerreros and Mysterio and Edge and Christian and Jericho and like, and you know, all those guys like just like be... All the way down and you even had uh, Shane Helms and Jamie Noble and Tajiri who were rarely doing anything but sometimes did. Yeah, like just like, well, awesome work rate roster. Like way better than than they have now, in my opinion. But... Neither here nor there. You're right. It's terms of big picture stuff. Um, Cena era was a lot, a lot – they were not – the days were not as dark. Um, now, uh, as far as WrestleMania – 25 got away from them. <laughs> yeah, man. Like, uh, I mean I feel like if they had just done Edge versus Cena and kept the big show and Vicky Guerrero out of it, um, probably would have been a, a good deal. Would you say so? Yeah, they had history. Edge was uh, one of the best heels in wrestling at the time. It may he had a good angle to steal the belt from him. That would have been been fine. That that Edge and Vicky Guerrero. I was not following that closely when it was on, but like I recently watched that sh- like part of that show and saw like the video, like the you know the promotion, you know like the the hype video from right before the match. Oh my God, was that bad? <laughs> it it uh, for a John Cena match, just yeah. Um, the only, the, the components, if like Cena and Edge and Randy Orton and Triple H are in your two title matches, that like the year before, they seem like the right people at the time, doesn't look out of place or anything, but Jeff Hardy and Chris Jericho were probably the two hottest guys in the company at that time, so. Yeah, geez, like, yeah, like there's a lot of, a lot of um, missed opportunities there. Jericho. I would say if you have to have a three-way then it should have been Jeff Hardy instead of the Big Show, and he should have just won the title for the first time there. Or Jericho instead of the Big Show, and like they could have just done exactly what they did. If they needed to do like Hardy versus Hardy, which could have been a cool thing if they had done it a little differently. Um, but you're right. Um, yes. Well, now we would not be talking about this if they had the match they wanted to do, which was John Cena versus Hulk Hogan. Hulk Hogan had back surgery right before then. Yeah, now see, I didn't even remember that that was uh, an idea. So, very interesting. I wonder how that would have worked out. Probably not good. <laughs> yep. But it would have been a, a WrestleMania moment. Now, fortunately, that would have been mitigated by the possibly the greatest WrestleMania match of all time, which is Michael yes. Undertaker. I don't remember that build up too well either. I remember the, the build up to the second one was good. Um, this one might have just been like, hey, we're two legends, let's have a match. I don't totally remember, but hey, that kind of was. He was like, you think the streak is Mr. WrestleMania? Mr. WrestleMania is me, <laughs> Mr. WrestleMania. Nice. But yeah. And I guess it played off uh, the Royal Rumble finish they did a couple years before. Well, either way, the buildup worked because um, that crowd was not super hot, but that crowd for that match, can't think of a hotter crowd <laughs> for any match right from the beginning. Like they were just nuts for a stadium crowd. Like, 
as hot as you can get. Um, the, and once again, we'll we'll help Triple H out and let that match go on last. Yeah, but that's really a hindsight twenty twenty thing because that was before you know Undertaker was the automatic main event, I think, or like that was the year that made Undertaker the automatic main event, I think. And um, Triple H versus Randy Orton, where did it, where did it go wrong, Justin? You tell me. <laughs> Triple H Randy Orton was a good idea if nothing between the Royal Rumble and their lockup had occurred on TV. So what was the buildup before the Royal Rumble? Uh, Trip, uh, Randy Orton punted Vince McMahon and then had the match with Shane and punted Shane and then arcade Stephanie and finally Triple H said, I'm a secret McMahon. I'm going to save my secret family. Should Orton have been the champion going in? Well, at the time, it really felt like a new, new era for Randy Orton to become the big star in wrestling. The psychology wasn't mixed up. Triple H only got the belt um, a month before the show because Orton was the Rumble winner and needed to wrestle him somehow. So Orton winning the Rumble seemed like a good idea. Orton punning Vince was great. Orton winning the title there and starting the age of the Viper or what have you. I mean, that all makes sense. But yeah, this one did not work out. The way it was supposed to. Yeah. Now, do, do we know why they had Triple H go over there? Because just because they felt the storyline called for it, he needed revenge. Is that kind of like the idea? Yep. He'd been through so much and as a babyface, so he needed to get his hand raised here. And that match, that match was bad booking, I guess. But maybe, maybe it couldn't have followed the uh, Undertaker match. I don't know. Do you think? Do you think that that match was was the problem, or that the placement was the problem in the booking? All of the above. It was just those two guys had an assumed level of competence that they did not come close to, and the screwed up emotion of what started as a hot angle really all fizzled out by the time they got there. Had the home invasion. Um, they uh, put in that stipulation that if Triple H gets disqualified, he loses the title. It all worked against them. Their general track record of sometimes flopping in big important matches, that too. Now, WrestleMania 26, I feel like they did all the right stuff. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. I at the- Everything there except more creative layout to Bret Hart versus Vince McMahon. That was one of those shows when all the stars seemed to align just in time for WrestleMania. Right. I'd say like that match was um, that match was not right. And that I don't know what they did some stupid thing with Brett, like they did with Hogan, right? Where they where they had him like uh, what what was it? Like they had something they had him injure his arm, right? What, what was <laughs> he got hit by a car? Yeah. Or yeah, he got hit by a car. So um, that really tapping into the real emotion of 1997. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. They see like that. Like they just should have just been. Yeah, okay. But the the main matches, uh, I think Michaels versus Undertaker, perfect, right? Yep. Uh, Cena versus Batista, perfect, right? Mm-hmm. Even more perfect since they got the title onto them instead of Triple H versus Sheamus. Right. Edge and Jericho, uh, I think perfect. I don't know. Yeah, I mean Ray and Punk ended up having a much hotter issue, but at the the anticipation for Edge versus Jericho was that it was going to be really awesome. Yeah, and it, which may have been asking a lot since Edge hurried back from uh, a ruptured Achilles tendon just to do this storyline, but it sort of makes up for Jericho uh, the year before. But it still ended up being a pretty great match. Um, now, uh, 2011. Oof. 
it's weird. <laughs> and yet it did not feel that weird at the time, I think, because it was the the main event just ended up being Rock and John Cena yelling at each other for a few weeks while Miz stood there with the belt. Yeah, I think the only thing that they really should have done, and we've talked about this before, Rock should have been the referee, right? Like mm-hmm. they should have had him out there. Should have had a lot of stuff going on, bells and whistles. Um, Miz had also, I mean, he was the U.S. champion. He had a tag team with the Big Show. He would have been pushed all year. It was the fact that he was so buried after that, which I don't think is a great loss, considering all the other guys they've moved up since that WrestleMania who are so much better than him. But it did not feel that out of place at the time. It's more in hindsight that this is like, how did that happen? Yeah, no, no. It's not that it was that up, but... The Miz never delivered, like, really in the ring. Like, at no point. Like, you really can't really point to the, the great Miz singles match. Probably the best one was against Jerry Lawler. Um, and, like, that's a big deal. Like, he never delivered in the ring. And um, that's, I think, the big problem, more so than anything. Well, this is a talking point on his DVD and the whole CM Punk narrative, but the same way we're talking about Diesel and people like that, it's pretty clear that in the... Long story of history. This should have been John Cena versus Nexus leader CM Punk. Yeah, I mean, I definitely would say that CM Punk, if they if they didn't they hadn't been locked into that Rock thing. I mean, really, knowing what they know now, they should have just done Cena versus Rock at twenty seven, and then Cena versus Punk at uh, twenty eight. You know what I mean? Like, just given the long arm of history. If you said history will allot you that The Rock is going to come back and wrestle, not that he would come back and have fun and be like, yeah, let's do this match. Yeah. Like if you you know The Rock was going to wrestle anyway, then yes, he should have wrestled Cena. Mm-hmm. Because that you brought this up earlier. My God, we talked about all the WrestleManias yes. halfway through the show. Yeah. Um, anyway, the, the real heat in Rock and Cena was for 27. That's when they were really mean to each other. By the time they got to 28, they were being just promoted as two gigantic stars who were going to have a match. And by the time they got to 29, it's just like, man, fuck this. Um, but uh, yeah, no, like this is, this is going to be the, one of the big things I was talking about. And so we could, we could tie this whole WrestleMania thing into my other big point, which is Daniel Bryan. What Daniel Bryan shows is – really what they lost with CM Punk. Like if they had really done what they were supposed to do with CM Punk, which is Punk, you know, capitalizes on, you know, he wins at um at Money in the Bank. They do the angle right afterwards where he's away for a little while. He's built up as a big deal. He comes back. They build for months and months and months to this unification match with Punk and Cena. And it happens at WrestleMania. And uh he never loses the Triple H. He probably beats Triple H. I'd say he definitely beats Triple H. And then we have no idea how big of a deal CM Punk would have been. Because it felt like people don't remember this. It felt for a little bit of time like CM Punk's going to be the next Stone Cold Steve Austin. Like, I mean, it was way too much to ask of anyone to be the next Stone Cold Steve Austin. But it really, he felt as close as anyone had ever been to being the next Stone Cold Steve Austin. And, you know, business never bored out. But they also, they also, it was too quick, you know, like. One angle is not going to do that. You got to build something up over a long time. And that angle was the right spark. It was his kind of Brett Austin moment. And then. Yes, you compared the, the Brian. You said, like, Stone Cold was not doing Stone Cold business when he wrestled The Undertaker at a cold day in hell. Right. And so Punk wouldn't be doing Punk business when he wrestles John Cena at Money in the Bank. But if he's built up for. for 
up until WrestleMania, main event WrestleMania, wins the main event of WrestleMania against John Cena, you know, maybe he would start doing, you know, that kind of business. You don't know. And it certainly would have been a great culminating storyline, the likes of which they hadn't done in years. And, um, you know, they were locked into Rock versus Cena. And probably on the night, Rock versus Cena would have probably did much better than Punk versus Cena would have done, even if they'd done everything right. But I think we're right now we're so fatigued from that two year stretch, not just two WrestleManias, but three WrestleManias and two years of Rock versus Cena. But it it's longtime legacies. It's going to be one of those matches like Hogan and Andre and Rock versus Hogan, where generations collided. Oh yeah, no, Rock Cena won. You know, it was great for what it was. You know, I'm not down on oh, it. Oh yeah, you got it the year before. Never mind. I'm sorry, I forgot we already ran that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and it, yeah, and it, and it was great for what it was. I have nothing against Rock Cena. I think, like I said, and I'm sure it did better business than this Punk for Cena match would have done, even if even in the perfect world. So you know, whatever. But just saying, like, if, if you're really gonna build things as the right storyline and the right climax, that was Punk's year, and he couldn't have it because um, and he, that that was the year he could have made evented WrestleMania and been solidified, and he couldn't have it because it was uh, because of what happened with. Uh, because it's because of they had they were locked into Rock for Cena. Now they did have a second chance in two thousand in, in uh, two thousand thirteen, um, where after Rock after Punk turned heel, could have built him into that main event spot. I mean, I think that the prestige spot is really the main event babyface at WrestleMania, not the main event heel. But I think either way, Punk could have main evented WrestleMania twenty nine. Um, I did not think a, a Cena versus Rock rematch was a natural. At no point did I feel like that was something they needed to do. Um, even, you know, in the buildup when like Melter would talk about, you know, this is the match that, you know, that's going to be the buzz right now. This is the best match they have right now. Cena versus rock Two. I didn't think so. And maybe, you know, and maybe I'm still wrong. Maybe that is the best they could have done. I feel like CM Punk was the hottest guy they had that, that time. And I feel like they could have done something with him. You know, even the rock versus versus punk match. I almost think would have been better at WrestleMania than at the Royal rumble. I don't know. Yeah. Rock versus punk felt bigger rock going for the title and punk when he had all the steam from 500 xdx days felt like hotter than when they finally got around to cena versus um the rock and i'm not like you i definitely underestimated just how fatigued at least the hardcore audience i don't begrudge them the decision to do it and it's not like that show flopped but it really felt like um, Rock versus Punk, bigger, more emotion, and Punk just in the zeitgeist of wrestling at the time. I would even say a three-way with all three of them would have been preferable to the singles match. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, listen, like I was there, and um, the only matches that people really got up for were, you know, that very, very short Daniel Bryan uh, tag team match. People were still into him even then. Um, and people really like Ziggler. Um, then the Punk Undertaker match. People were into those new guys, and the, all the main events were about old guys. And I don't know if they learned their lesson, if it was just coincidence. But this year, the show was built around a new guy, and they put over some other new guys. And Cena wrestled a new guy, and uh, it's uh, you know, I mean, I really think that WrestleMania 29 should have been and maybe was a lesson to them like hey we got to start building our biggest show like we can't just keep big, building our biggest shows around guys that from the past because our current audience 
no longer would rather see them than the guy. You know, they're no longer like, oh man, it was much better in the Attitude Area. Era. It was more like, oh man, there are so many great wrestlers now, and I'd like to see them be a uh, be a big deal. I made fun of the once in a lifetime owners at the time, and even now. I don't think there's anything wrong with wanting to give John Cena a rematch and get his hand raised over the rock in this two-year story, but I can't say that those people end up being wrong, at least in terms of the, the same feeling of excitement and consequence you got out of this show. Yeah, I agree. Um, and then that brings us to WrestleMania 30, I think. And um, I'd say even if it was an accident, best long-term storyline beginning to end that they've done in I can't even tell you. I cannot even tell you the last time that they had one that that was this good. What can you, I don't even know when uh, Austin, Austin versus McMahon, like the, you talk about, you want to put together a brilliant video package that goes all the way back to SummerSlam. I do not know how many of those stories you can tell either at the WrestleManias that have happened or the WrestleManias we just made up over the last hour. Yeah, it doesn't even have to be like SummerSlam, just like a, a storyline that lasts more than like two months. And like, yeah, nothing, nothing, right? I mean, I guess the the one that you could say could have been Triple H versus um, Batista, mm-hmm. right? I guess because yep. that could go back at least to like what November, maybe. Yeah. So I guess it would be that one. Be the best long-term book storyline they've done since Triple H versus Batista. I'm feeling I'm fairly comfortable saying that. Um, that's that's nine years. It's a long ass time. The only other one is Sean Undertaker, but those guys uh, they had a lot of history to play on, and they took a lot of time off before they kicked the storyline into high gear. Right. Definitely. So yeah, I'd say I'd say it's this, and, and you know, and that one like wasn't like a particular ending that people like were dying for, you know. It wasn't like it didn't have. I don't know. It wasn't like this emotional like this crowd needs this to happen kind of situation. So a little bit different, but yeah, I mean, wild. It's wild that that's like that that it all worked out like that. Um, it's too- it was a happy accident, but you know what? Uh, Vince McMahon had to. Uh, betray Bret Hart and double cross him in real life and have Bret Hart leave the company, which led to uh, Steve Austin versus Shawn Michaels instead of the originally planned Steve Austin versus Bret Hart match and so on and so on. So well, things are not the original plans. I still, at this point in time, before all the uh, doom we foresaw in the first five minutes of this show comes to pass, got to give credit to them for finally getting things together and pulling it off perfectly. Yeah, I give credit. WrestleMania 30... Epic event, all-time great wrestling event. You know, match quality notwithstanding, it was still pretty good. Still very good match quality, actually, but not the best. But still, all-time legendary event. I and if we're going to treat it now, uh, two weeks later, the same way we talked about the last twenty-nine, I guess I would do the Shield versus the Wyatt family and John Cena versus Antonio Cesaro, but. Uh, John Cena versus Bray Wyatt is not going to feel weird if Bray Wyatt becomes a main event heel and probably eventually babyface for the next uh, foreseeable future. Knowing what I know now, I um, I do um, probably the Brian thing mostly the same. Maybe you don't even need Batista involved. Honestly, I don't know. You know, I do. Well, you don't. But since he was there and, and tapped out like a gentleman, here's what I do. Uh, Batista wins the world title before uh, the match, 
from let's say Dolph Ziggler for the same emotion of taking it from the guy people want and giving it to the guy they don't want to have it. And so the historic unification match is going to be uh, at WrestleMania instead of uh, tables, ladders, and chairs, the Golden Globes of the WWE, as Natalia said on Total Divas. So Batista has the world title. Orton has the WWE title. They're going to have the biggest match of all time that no one wants, and then Daniel Bryan uh, gets himself in there and unifies the titles. That would be cool. Um, that, and then also, I'm saying, if we could, if we could pitch all this in like October, um, do something like um, Undertaker... Versus CM Punk 2. Punk ends the streak. Hey, that works out. He would have stayed for that, I think. <laughs> um, the only question then I have is what What do I do with Rock Lesnar? Because um, originally what I wanted was Punk versus Lesnar and Cena versus Undertaker. But I definitely do not want John Cena ending the streak. Yes, not unless you're going to do the John Cena heel turn. Yeah, if because like, that, that, that's what I definitely would have done. But... Um, what what could be done with Brock Lesnar? Maybe Lesnar just sits this one out. Um, I don't know. I mean, now if you just had to throw someone like let's let's say you did Punk versus Lesnar too, and you knew you had to end the Undertaker streak, who would you put against the Undertaker? If I knew, I well. Now that I've seen the streak break, I thought it was awesome, and they should have done it. So yeah, um, maybe Bray Wyatt even. But then, if Wyatt's if if Wyatt's in that match with the uh, with the Shield, right? Um, if Undertaker has to lose to somebody, well, I would probably just have him beat John Cena. Yeah, maybe. Have, I don't have know. Have him beat John then, Cena. If he, if it's gonna go in a shitty match that he can always have, I will force him to get back on the treadmill next year. Right. Have him lose quick. I mean, here's the thing: like, if they knew for sure that the Undertaker had to lose this year because he couldn't work anymore. Why did they book that match to go 25 minutes? That's, a, I guess, just the expectation that it had to. An Undertaker match at WrestleMania had gotten that far. 15 minutes can be just fine. I understand it going that long, but to me, if Undertaker's going to lose at WrestleMania after everything he's kicked out of until now, I maybe would have clobbered him a lot more had it than just a third F5, yeah. even if the three finisher rule is somehow magic in WWE. Have him kick out of the third F5. Then mm-hmm. take him to the outside, do like two F5s on the outside, bring him back in, do two more F5s, then pin him. That's – you know what? I don't think that's an exaggeration. Yeah. <laughs> Somewhere between two and five F5s so that instead of being surprised, maybe the crowd gets this sense of doom that, wow, this is really over and it's going to happen. Yeah, now, Nobody... now maybe the Undertaker was just too out of it to like do that. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that, that's – they should have at least booked that. Well, I did not know we were going to do this, but I very much enjoyed it. Yeah, no, it's, I th- give, give us a good theme for the show, the WrestleMania Rewind. Yeah, so would you put Bart Gunn over Butterbean, or? Um, yes. Okay, good.
I don't see any downside to beating John Cena every six months at this point. You know, it's, you, you, a guy can only make so many guys, so you can't protect him for like you know making a different guy every three years. Eventually, he has to make someone and then no longer be the guy to make someone. So you know, he made Daniel Bryan. I guess, I guess he did, right? I mean, would you count? I think that's safe to say. He can make Bray Wyatt. You know, maybe he can make Cesaro, and then eventually he won't have any more makings to make. Um, you know, maybe he can go away for a while and then come back and his just be able to return his his making guys meter will have been replenished. He would need to go to the Wish and Make Foundation to get more of them. <laughs> I don't know why, but that's I think that's very very good.